Hey, I'm Gina Keeping, ex-classroom teacher turned mindset and business mentor. Not too long ago, overwhelm and stress was my norm. Now, I have created a life where I help entrepreneurial women create an unstoppable mindset and teach them how to grow and scale their own businesses, all while getting their own gifts out into the world and creating an impact. Welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast where each week I bring you an inspiring person or message where we talk about all things life and business related, where our conversations are real, the information is inspiring, we have a splash of fun, we have lots of laughs, and we dive into life lessons and deep conversations about all the things. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm super excited for today's guest. Today, we have Elaine Dumphy on the show. Welcome to the show, Elaine. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me here. This is awesome. I know people can't see my smile, but I'm smiling super big right now because every time we get together, we have the most amazing chats. (laughs) For about four hours. (laughs) But we won't keep you four hours today, so don't run away yet. obviously know everything about you and how amazing you are, but can you just take a moment and introduce uh, yourself to our listeners and tell them who you are and what it is that you do? Sure can. So I'm Elaine Dunphy and I run Nia on the Rock. And then my latest edition is Ageless Grace on the Rock. If you see a theme, I guess everything I do is on the rock. Um, So yeah, those are my two movement practices. And uh, that's where my heart is these days. Oh, and your heart is super big and everything you do is like gold. But for our listeners, I might not know what Nia is and your other initiative. And I just absolutely love the both of them. So can you just take a little bit and describe what both of those are for our listeners, please? Absolutely. So Nia is a movement practice that started over 35 years ago in the U.S. by a woman named Debbie Rosas. And it is this series of 52 gentle movements on the body and it's done to music. And the coolest thing I think about a Nia practice is it's an invitation to leave all your distractions behind for one hour. And that in itself is a gift because I've done a lot of different movement types and things, but the invitation to just park everything that's bothering you and take a break, you can pick it up at the end. Now, chances are it will seem a little less daunting, but that one hour of self-care and movement and fun and joy, um, yeah, that's what hooked me. And uh, then my other she's my baby now, um, is ageless grace and that's brain health and fitness. So it's done seated in a chair and it was started by a woman named Denise Medved in the U S as well. And it's brain health. And that is a series of 21 exercise tools that we use to fire the five main parts of the brain. It's all about new neural pathways and it's just fun. So yeah, I can tell you more about it as we chat, but those are my babies. Absolutely. And for somebody who um, I kind of label myself as a jock, like I'm very big into athletics and sports and chasing people and throwing people and that kind of stuff. And when I did your class um, and you did a, a, a workshop for my membership at one point, and then we did some stuff together on Signal Hill, 
And I remember my very first class and I had just so much fun and I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. So that in my opinion is the most beautiful piece is like you're having fun and you're still moving and like, it's a good workout. You know, I was done. I was like, okay, I'm winded here. (laughs) I remember that class and there is a lot of like, there is a process. So you physically step in. Um, and then we kind of, we warm up, we get moving. Um, so there was a lot of kind of, I would call them moving meditation. And I remember one lady in your group, she's like, oh, I can't do slow. I was like, just stick with it because you can do slow and maybe you might want to try slow because it's a different dynamic. It's about finding ease in your body as you move. And I think sometimes we hit the ground. It's like, go, go, go. We must do this. We must be strong. We must be fast, but it kind of takes the joy out of it sometimes. And then um, treating yourself to a bit of slow, gentle movement, you're still getting a lot of movement. Like there's huge benefit to that. Absolutely. And for somebody who like myself, I mean, I've been having some health issues lately. So for me, I've been judging my body in some ways. So for me, when you guided us through that meditation where you step into and you just love yourself for where you are, I didn't realize how much I needed that because I didn't realize how much I was judging what I couldn't do before in like my everyday things where there are usually my strengths and now I'm struggling. So for me, it was like, I remember getting emotional in one of your classes and going like, well, what's going on here? But it's because you walked me through this piece where I was just accepting for where I was and allowed me just to have some fun rather than be chasing something and be so serious, which I love too. So thank you for bringing that and introducing that uh, to my life. But I want to back up a little bit. You haven't always been an entrepreneur. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> like you had quite the journey. Would you mind sharing with our listeners your journey to stepping into now doing something that totally lights you up. Would you mind sharing a little, a little bit about that? No, I'd love to share. So um, in my corporate life, I was almost 22 years at um, a high-tech satellite company. And I kind of started right from, well, I, I was a temp when I started in 95. And then I did lots of training with them and I worked my way up and uh, moved into sales and business development. So I finished as a business development manager for the Canadian government team. And it was was a huge, interesting ride, but super stressful and a lot of time on the road and a lot of time away from my family. Um, And yes, there were moments, obviously, that I enjoyed. Uh, But I had this feeling that it was like, is this all there is? Like, really, I'm going to stay in this cubicle. And, you know, and I know maybe it sounds a bit cliched, but I was like, no, I don't think that that's where I'm supposed to be. And I remember doing this um, writing course with a. uh, she was actually my HR manager at the time. And we did this writing course. And she said, okay, we're going to free flow for five minutes. And I want you to write down what you think your purpose in life is. And that was in 2008. And I still have the journal. And it said, um, I was meant to bring joy to the world. And now when I read it, I was like, whoa, how did I, like in 2008, apparently, you know, my brain knew something that they hadn't let me in on. But when I read it, it was like, 
people need to experience joy and they need to know that even when things are tough and things are not going the way they want, that you can access that little moment of joy, even if it's just this scattered moment. Um, and I think it gives hope. So anyway, that was like, I never thought much about it. And then I retired early at 46 because I had an opportunity and my husband was retiring. Anyway, long story, all of the stars aligned and I retired in November, 2015. And then my mom was sick. So I, you know, kind of got the layoff from work. I was able to be with my mom as she went through her treatments. Like, and then people at work started saying, you poor thing. And I was like, this is not you poor thing at all. This is me being there for my mom and being able to have the time to spend with her. And it just like, I used to get in bed and say, okay, universe, this is totally not lost on me. Like I am exactly where I need to be. And so then, um, you know, fast forward to that June of 2016. And someone said, you should do this Nia class. There's this visiting teacher. And I was like, what's Nia? And uh, so anyway, yeah, the rest is history. Here I am all these years later with my own little, well, it's not little now, it's it's my own company. And uh, it was the best choice ever. Oh my goodness, there's so many things in that. So first of all, I'd like to go back and just talk about that journal entry because as you know about me, journaling is one of the most powerful tools that I use and I help my clients with too. But what a beautiful gift Somebody gave you that permission, that space to sit with a journal and ask yourself the question, what are you here? What's your purpose? Yep. And for our listeners, like, have you ever stopped and asked yourself, what is your purpose? And if you haven't, whip out a journal after this podcast and give it a shot. Give yourself like 10 to 15 minutes, no judging on what your spelling is. This is coming from a, a teacher. Don't worry about your spelling, your grammar, just write because you can really tap into that potential. So curious, where do you have that journal entry right now? That is in, uh, I have like, I don't know, so many journals and it's like, I can look at them and go, oh, that was when, you know, I was going through this or the, but this one is this pale pink. It almost looks like it's embroidered and it's like an eight and a half by 11. So it's bigger than a normal journal. Um, and I remember cracking that open that day. And I was like, okay, I'm all ready for this. And so it's the first page of that journal and it's on my desk. So when I'm sitting there doing work, it's like, I don't even have to open it because it just starts with, I was meant to bring joy to the world. And I was like, okay, apparently someone knew way earlier than I did. Um, and when I'm having a rough day, that is the thing that I'll pull out and read. You should get that into a picture frame and put it in your office so you can see it every day to remind yourself of your mission. I know I should actually. And here's another disclaimer. I love cursive writing. So a good journal, a good pen, and like, I just leave me there. I could, I could find hours of interesting things to, you know, question myself about. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that I do. I remember in corporate life, they're like, okay, we're going to make you paperless. <laughs> it's like, you can give it your best shot because <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness. So after you retired and you had this thing on your heart, I know prior to this podcast, we had a little chat and we were talking about listening to that little voice that we have inside and how a lot of people shove it down and like, nope, not going to listen. Like, where is that coming from? And we talked about some of our dear friends and we were like, 
man, can you imagine the disservice this world would be in if they didn't listen to that nudge? How did you listen to your nudge and actually go for it rather than stuffing it down? It was my biggest challenge. And um, like I've got super supportive husband and um, my mom and my brother, like surrounded by people that are like, you can do this. But the actual stepping out there and saying, "Okay, I'm going to offer a class. I remember having lunch with a really dear friend and I said, I I don't think I can do this. And she's like, why don't you think you can do it? I said, because what if nobody shows up? And she said, well, how much do you love Nia? I said, well, I would do it by myself. Like I know the benefit of it and I plan to do it by myself. She said, so if no one else shows up, then dance yourself. But she said, I am telling you when you roll this out, people will come. And so we're still extremely close. She was here for supper actually just last weekend. And she's looking at me. She goes, would you mind if I just said, I told you so? And I said, no, you totally earned that. (laughs) I love it. Well, what a beautiful lesson, because I guarantee you some of our listeners have those fears. If they're in the beginning stages of their business or even, you know, not even in the business world, just doing something that's scary. And I love that lesson of, we often listen to those thoughts and Can you imagine if you listen to the thoughts, well, no one's going to come, so I'm not going to do it. Just imagine, Elaine. Oh, Oh my God. I can't even because it literally, I mean, I know I say joy and talk about joy a lot, but it brings me so much joy that I sometimes stop and say, oh, my God, imagine what if, what if, if, you know, I mean, I shared with you before you pressed record that I had that moment of who's going to want to hear me? Who do I think I am? And, you know, it's like this little internal battle of, okay, Elaine, you've actually put the time in here that, you know, you, you are offering a valid thing. Um, and, and that's so many years later. So it still rares, you know, like if I'm going to do a dance, um, it's like, who do you think you are to dance? Like who's going to want to watch you dance? So that negative voice, I'm telling you, I need to learn a really good martial art movement that just takes it down. Absolutely. <laughs> you well, can teach me that. I can do, I can teach you a throat punch. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs to know how to do a good throat punch. Yeah. yeah no, just kidding, everybody. Not really. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So the, the thing with that is that and you were totally honest and upfront, but I truly think that in life, in business, that voice doesn't necessarily go away. You just learn how to turn it down. And you learn how to take action anyway. Like you had two choices before this podcast. You could have listened. You could have sent me a message and said like, Gene, look, I'm not ready. Or you could show up and you can just do your best and like tell that inner mean girl, not today. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to you today. Right. Yeah. So I'm really proud of you for coming on, even when we had those negative thoughts. And I think a lot of people strive um, just, I think because it's mainstream now to talk about mindset and positive mindset and negative mindset. And as you know, I'm all about that, but I think there's a misconception that as you do this work, that those thoughts go away and they don't <laughs> No, Sometimes actually, I find that they're even a little louder. Like, you know, a podcast is a new thing for me. I've, yeah. I think I've done one other one that I regularly do. Um, and every time record you know, that button gets hit. It's like, Oh, please just, just let me, you know, not do a bad job here. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? It's also coming back to, so one of the things that I learned um, early on, because as a teacher, I like, I talked for a living and same thing now. 
And one of the, the tricks that I've learned before I do any public speaking or any podcast is I take me out of the equation. This is not about me. And I find when I, when I switch it to, okay, Gina, this is not about you. If you only help just one person, if one person listens to this podcast and you help them feel inspired, then it's worth it. So making that shift for me of it's not about me, it's about who I can help. And I'm a helper, so that works for me. But I just find that switch is like, oh, okay. Like it just gives me that permission to go, whatever. And I've let go of perfection, Elaine. That's the other thing. Like I'm going to shag up. I shag up often. We all do. But I'm done pretending that you have to be perfect in order to show up. No, perfection is way overrated in my opinion. (laughs) Uh, I actually eye roll it now. When I hear the word perfection, I'm like, man, you show me a human being who's perfect. (laughs) They don't exist. (laughs) I do the same thing in my class. I'm like, look, let's just take a minute and celebrate the amazing bodies that we live in, in their perfect imperfection. Because I don't care who you are, even if you've got, if I've got total shoulder envy over their muscles or something's going on, it's like, yeah, but you know, yes, she has great shoulders or whatever, but maybe she's here in this class because she just needs to feel more comfortable in in her own body. Like I just, everyone has such a story and movement is it's what we need and it's what we need to, to age gracefully. And yeah, it's just a, it's an interesting thing when I look at other women and they want to tell you all the things that are wrong with their bodies. It's like, hang on a second now, let's talk about all the things that are right. Yes, exactly. The other thing as well is we can give other women compliments and not make it about ourselves. Like I feel that sometimes women don't want to give other women compliments because they make it as if it's a negative thing about themselves, but you can compliment another woman's shoulders and still be happy with yourself and not make it about you, you know? And I think we need to start doing more of that. Yeah, I agree. And I'm like, I think that there's like on Facebook, I post a lot of things and I have had compliments on Elaine. If I'm having a bad day, I'll go to your Facebook page and I I post it because I enjoy it, but I also think that it sometimes evokes that feeling of if you're having a bad day, take that one little step or do that one little thing that brings you joy and it can kind of change your mindset for the day. So, you know, in the morning, I've got a big, I, I have to choose the joy, even if it's a total crappy morning, I'm still digging deep and looking for that one little bit of, okay, that brings me joy. Yes. And I love that that is the forefront of what you stand for because joy, gratitude, looking for things that you're happy about, I truly feel are the little shifts that you can make so that the bad things don't overshadow everything, you know? Yes. Because all of our days, that's the one thing that I have heard, um, toxic positivity. And I thought, what, who, me? I, I don't think that that's me at all. And my definition of, you know, positivity, I don't want to be in someone's face and always talking about, oh, everything is beautiful and great. But it's it's that realization that even in really tough times, take a moment for yourself and think about something that was like your favorite day or your favorite, I don't know, your favorite eight-year-old outfit or something that can bring you back to but I did feel joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I've heard the term as well, and I've had several conversations about 
toxic positivity as well. And I, and I know you enough to know that you're not telling people to not process. You're not telling people to forget about the hardships. That's not what you and I are about. We both will encourage people to sit with their feelings, to explore them, to really help and heal themselves by looking at all different angles and processing. I think that's a huge part of our journey, but you're also saying that in just challenging times, then you can also find joy as well. You don't have to find joy all the time. That's not what you're saying. You don't have to be joyful every minute of the day, but you know, it comes down to, it's a choice on what you look for. This is also not something of like, if you're grieving, uh, you know, someone that you've lost or some major, major incident in your life where you just happen and you have to process, right? Like, but there are things where you can take a moment and smile and that doesn't make what you're going through um, joyful. It just means that you found a moment in your day to find that joy. And I agree a hundred percent because I think that that's eventually what brings strength into healing through losing someone or losing a job, losing a partner or relationship finishing, because there is real grief in all of those things. As time goes on, though, I think that it's an invitation to think about, okay, what was good? You know, even if your marriage broke up as an example, because I mean, I see many different situations in my classes and as more people come and they're, they become regulars, they share a little of what's going on in their life. So it could be the breakup of a marriage and you're trying to get strong and, you know, move on to the next phase. My hope is that at some point when the pain and the hurt starts to heal, that you remember that, okay, there were actually some good moments there. You're probably not ready to address them right now, um, but that they're there. And, you know, I, I have the privilege of working with a lot of seniors who I call my welderlies. Um, and, you know, sadly, some of them are losing their spouses. You can, I can physically see their grief. I can feel it. I, I see it in their shoulders. And so if I can give them that little moment of roll your shoulders, take that big breath in. It's like a little bit of a, I don't know, a reprieve from the grief just to take care of your body. You can pick that grief up because it doesn't go away. You and I both know it doesn't go away. It just changes. Um, but I think that for that hour that I give them a gift of it's okay to be sad and it's okay to not feel great. But it's also okay to pay attention to take care of myself to make myself stronger. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. And just so true because the thing too, what I also help my clients with sometimes is like, okay, for today, if you just find joy for two minutes, just two minutes, like that's that's a very small amount in your whole entire day. But if you can find joy for two minutes, maybe you do that for a couple of days and then you go three minutes and then you go four minutes and then you keep you know, raising the bar on you finding your joy, because I feel that when we go through emotions, we deal with absolutes and we feel this guilt that if we can find a little bit of joy, then we're not suffering properly. We're not grieving properly. And it puts so much pressure on our shoulders. Like I had so many people uh, judge me on how I dealt with my father's passing and how I should have acted a certain way. And You know, I feel that we have to take down that little bit of a judgment that we're putting in other people because everyone grieves a different way. 
Yeah. And everyone finds their joy in a different way. And, you know, we're kind of taking a different turn here, but I just truly think that finding that joy and doing in small increments and then getting it better. And like you say, if someone can come to your class for an hour and forget about what heavy stuff that they're going through, then that's such a beautiful gift that you can give. Yep. And, and I like, it's not lost on me that that is a privilege to be able to help somebody find a little bit of joy through their movement. So no, I am exactly where I am meant to be right now. I couldn't agree more. And what you do is just, uh, it's so beautiful to see you in action. For the people who are listening, who are like, okay, you know what? You got me convinced, Gina and Elaine. I got to find a little bit more joy in my life. How would you encourage them to get started? And like, how did you begin the journey? Even though, cause you were in a, a job that was very challenging. So like, you know what it's like to not feel joy in certain pieces. How can you encourage our listeners to start finding more joy in their life? I, I think, especially through the pandemic, it's become so evident that when times are hard, we reach out for music and art and books and, you know, like all of the things that feed our spirit. And I think that that's the biggest thing. It's like you can be overwhelmed. I can be overwhelmed with something. But if I grab a book or I grab maybe, you know, you used to paint when you were younger and oh, I can't because I'm too busy. Take out those watercolors and just experiment with it. Like I have a a girlfriend who's an awesome artist and for years and years, she's like, no, I'm too busy. And now my mom is sick. And I, I, I feel like I'm not honoring her. I'm like, no, you're taking care of yourself to take out that one thing that feeds your spirit. Because, you know, it's like that old cliche that you can't fill from an empty cup. So if you're not doing a little bit of something that, that feeds you that, that thing that makes you kind of have a little escape, everything seems much darker. So, and plus you're going to realize like, how did I keep that on the shelf? Because I can't wait to get back to it. Absolutely. That's a great suggestion. And you kind of just triggered something um, that I hear a lot from my clients as well as I don't have time and I feel guilty. Those are the two phrases that hold people back from finding their joy for, Uh, you know, from even just taking a little bit of time for themselves. So if you're listening and you've used those two phrases before, I highly encourage you to ask yourself, why are you feeling guilty? And why, you know, what evidence is telling you that you can't take time for yourself? And then flip it and go, okay, I am going to take time for myself. And here's all the evidence that backs it up. Because we both know the importance, Elaine, of taking care of ourselves. And I know you see it so much in your work too, but finding that joy, it has a ripple effect on everybody you come in contact with. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the beauty in my NIA practice is I think that sometimes we're hardwired to, oh, my shoulder hurts, my hip hurts, my foot hurts. And so we're really quick to be able to say, okay, you know, I have, this is how I always think about my NIA practice when you come to my class, I'm not saying don't tell me that your shoulder hurts or whatever, but change the conversation that you're having with your body to I'm going to give it some gentle movement. I'm going to try and do things. And Nia's philosophy is that everything is done your body's way. So I'm going to guide you through some movements, but then you're going to take it and adapt it for your own body. And I'm trying to teach my students 
I'm not saying your shoulder hasn't been frozen or anything. That is a real injury. However, if you can get the slightest movement in it, imagine how that's going to feel at the end of the class versus I'm not inviting my shoulder to this party because it hurts. Because the more you keep that, you know, held in that uncomfortable injured position, then your hip is going to overcompensate. So next thing, it'll be your shoulder and your hip and then your shoulder and your hip and your knee. So if we don't move, we won't move. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And it's so true because I think we come to the table with certain expectations and we focus on what's not working, you yeah. know, with that problem oriented mindset rather than a solution-based mindset, you know? So if you can come and you can teach people, no, no, if you can't do this, that's okay. What can you do? Let's start there. And I think that's transferable to everything we do. Like, don't look at what you can't do. Start from where you are and then take those tiny steps to improve. Or maybe that is your new comfortable where you can only get your shoulder up so high, but at least you're moving it, right? So just changing your expectation. I used to say at the beginning of my class, what could go wrong? And then this voice in the back says, what could go right? And I went, okay, I'm totally adopting that one because that's where my mindset is. It's like, yes, you know, you've got a sore shoulder, you've got an injury, you've got your whatever's going on, but let's talk about all the things that are working properly. I see it with my welderlies. I really try and focus on changing the conversation because as we age, there are going to be issues. But if you keep score of all the things that are wrong, All of a sudden, the thought of doing an exercise movement class, it's just too overwhelming. And you talk yourself out of it before you even begin. A hundred percent. Or I can't do this. I can't. Like I see some ladies that the fear of not knowing what Nia is about, that they'll come to my class and they're like, I can't dance. I'm like, okay, let me sort of, you know, set things straight before we start. This is about moving your way. And it's not dancing. It's moving. And then that kind of makes them realize, okay, well, I don't have this, you know, I don't have to perform. Um, and so the choice of music that I use, like I, I enjoy my classes immensely. I'm glad other people do. But when I pick the music and put them in a playlist, it's a little bit of a selfish thing because I'm picking things that I like. And then people will be like, can I have that playlist? Cause that really made me feel great. You have a phenomenal choice of music. I'll never forget when Tammy and I came to your class and, oh that my song God. and I put up. your theme song in. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it, I laughed and smiled so much. Um, but back to the words that we use too, like we have something called confirmation bias as well. And whatever we're saying and whatever thoughts that we're believing, our actions are going to co-align with those, yeah. you know? So it's like, we have to, like you say, change the conversation of what we're saying about our bodies, what we're saying that we can and can't do, because what kind of action are you going to take if you truly believe that you're not going to get through a class? Yeah. You're not even going to show up. Yeah. Give yourself an honest try. And what's going to make you want to come back? Nothing. So exactly. yeah, I, I need to light that spark in them when they come in. It's like you do you. Yeah. You do it at your level. If you need to sit down in my class, that invitation is always there. And um, like I've been blessed to teach this in so many different areas. I've taught at the women's shelter. And, you know, you and I both know that 
that is, um, that is a situation that if you find yourself there, you are struggling to find your own power. Um, and so I just felt so privileged even to work with them. And I remember saying to the ladies, the women, you don't have to participate in this class. You can sit and listen to the music. If that's what your body, your mind, your spirit says you need, then do that. And no more pressure. Um, and by the end of the class, everybody is dancing. So I thought, okay, what a little gift. And of course, I got out in the car then and cried for, okay, I'm so glad that I had that opportunity because I know that their road is is a tough one ahead. And, um, you know, my theme song, my joy song. And when we put our arms in the air and, you know, sing in our opera voice and say joy, we make a fist and pull it in. And one of the ladies at the shelter afterwards, when we were chatting, she said, when I put my hands up in the air and I made that fist and I pulled my arms in, I felt like I was taking my power back. And I was like, oh, my God. And I'm like, even telling the story now, I get goosebumps because that's my theme song. That is like, find your joy, pull it back in. And so for a woman who is, you know, rebuilding her life, for her to have that that moment with movement, it just really hit home to me how important it is the words that we use about ourselves because our bodies are listening to every single thing that we say to it. So we need to try and change that conversation so we're hearing the good things, not just the bad. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. That is just such a powerful story. And I know. And and sometimes I forget it. And if I'm having a day like, okay, who do you think you are going (laughs) into this group? And what, what are they going to get out of Nia? I remember that lady. And I think, like you said, if I help one person, so Yeah. yeah, she was my one person that I often think about. And um, I'm sure she is thriving now because she was just like, okay, world, I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful gift. And there's so much that came up when you were talking about that, because I truly feel that there's a lot of unlearning that we do as adults. And this is no fault to anybody, but I've often reflected back after being a teacher for 15 years, I look back at how we are teaching people. And I look back at how we still teach with a one size fits all approach. So from the moment when you are developing who you are, you're being taught to fit in. You're being taught by standards. So we, we use words like pass and fail. So if you're not looking like everybody else, you're failing. And once again, this is not to point fingers. This is just to bring awareness as to why we act as we do as adults. So then we come as adults and we're like, okay, I had to fit in and there's no fault of your own. It's just all this conditioning. And realistically, it's a system. We we have to have some type of system, 100%. Yeah. You know, it's impossible to to, to look back and, and know what we know now, but we do need to make some changes. But if you think what you gave your students in this woman's class permission to do you gave them permission to step away from the norm and be themselves. And I know this is going to sound like a really bold statement, but probably for the first time in their lives, they were in a safe place where it said, you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. You get to do it to you, like as you are. And then people are like, okay, they don't have to be perfect. What? They can sit with themselves. They can sit and listen if they want to. What? They can stand up. They can move. 
their movements doesn't have to be like everybody else. Like I know oftentimes we don't see the beautiful gifts that we're giving, but Elaine, that is such a beautiful gift that you're giving to people. The the gift of not being perfect and being themselves. Just even taking that in, I was like, oh my God, she's talking about me. So you're going to make me cry. But um, it's so true because we need permission to not label ourselves and put ourselves in a box. One of the things I joke about in my class is like, there's no Nia police. No one is going to say, Gina, you're not cutting it. Like, please don't come back next week. Yeah. Um, and, and the only thing I say to them is when you are learning the move, commit to make the move. If you are going to the left and everyone else is going to the right, commit Yes. Don't bang into the person next to you. That is the only thing. So social distancing <laughs> is still a good thing now because nobody is going to get, you know, bumped into. Um, the freedom to move that way is the best feeling. Like for me to watch a class with new people is probably one of my favorite things because I can judge their, you know, anxiety because it's real when they walk into a class not knowing what to think. Um, and I make it my job to say, look, this is a come as you are class. And if you are uncomfortable in your body, if you're healing your body, if you don't like your body, Nia is a beautiful place to land and try something brand new. And it's okay to mess up. It's okay yes. to not get the steps, you know? And like, I mess up. I love saying, yeah, hear that sound? That was where we were supposed to start. <laughs> yeah. But how real and raw is that when you're, the, as the leader, you're showing it's okay to mess those things up. And like uh, something that just came up to me then is like, I just remember um, when I went to my first like dance class, it was like dance aerobics. And I just had this vision of like, how many times are you doing a class and you're looking around and going, oh, okay, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But when you take that focus from looking around and just focusing on yourself, like just think about that power. Yeah, it's huge. You know, and we're not looking at others for that validation of what you should be doing. And like, if you look back at all the boxes that you had to check and fit into, like, okay, kindergarten, got all these things done, boom, all through our lives up to grade 12, then it's like, okay, what box are you going into next? Are you going to do this, 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 or this? And it's just like, there's a series of boxes after boxes after boxes. And then it's like, okay, kids, marriage, like it, it just seems to be no room for playing, no room for exploration, no room for maybe I don't want to do this. That There's no room for any of the things that make us human. Yeah. It's, that is such a valid point because, you know, you know, my personality very well now, having known each other for a couple of years. And so in high school, everyone's like, oh yeah, Elaine is going to be a nurse. And in theory, that is a beautiful, like I love helping people. So I never really gave it much thought. And I went off to nursing school and I was horrible at it. So, you know, in the first term in my anatomy class, you had to have a 70% to pass. And I got 68.5 in my anatomy course. And everyone was like, oh, that's a sin. You were robbed and da, da, da. And I wrote the supplementary and I got 68.5. And again, all the people were saying, oh, they should bump you up, whatever. And I'm like, just stop the bus for a second. If I am sick and I want someone to work on me, I don't want the person that got 68.5 <laughs> and isn't quite sure about her anatomy to be taking care of me. Absolutely. And, uh, but it was, it was actually 
perfect because I was not meant to be a nurse. And when I look back now, I have the ability to help people move. So not for one second saying that I'm, you know, any like I'm not a nurse, I'm not qualified to whatever. But in my training as a NIA um, instructor and an Ageless Grace educator, those things I know help people. So it's like, okay, I get this universe. Like I, yeah. I wasn't meant to be a nurse, but I was meant to be here to help people move. Absolutely. And that you're doing. And um, I don't want people to think that, um, you know, going into all these different careers are a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying. Oh God, no, nor me. I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. nursing was not for me. Exactly. <laughs> and I think like that the point that I'm really trying to hammer home here is like getting clear with who you are first before you start making all these big decisions. Like I feel most people when they're middle age is when they start questioning, like, we don't know what we want when we're 18 years old. And then we're making these full lifelong decisions. And then people are questioning while, you know, when you're 30 and 40, you're like, oh, maybe this is not for me, you know? So like give people some grace and let them figure out their own stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't expect our conversation to go there, but I like it. <laughs> no, me neither. But th that's half the fun of these because these are just, to me, really great conversations that you and I would have in a coffee shop, just the two of us. Absolutely. No, for sure. And I do think it just, you know, it gives people different perspective to look at things. And I feel if we don't have these types of conversations, then the status quo will remain the same. And I don't think the status quo is working for many people. You know, nope. if you do an inventory and you take a look at how many people are actually happy um, and I know some people are saying, well, Gina, I got to pay the bills, but there are other ways, you know, like, I think we, we fit into this mold where it's like, well, you don't know what's going on in my life. I have to do these things. Trust me. I know. I, I know all these things, but there's all something else I do know. And it's like, when you listen to your father growing up saying, when I retire, I'm going to, and let a, a life that was very unhappy, it's not worth it. You know, how many people are getting to the age of retirement? have worked their whole entire lives because they that they thought it was the only way to make a living and then they don't have their health. So I am very passionate about challenging the norms and challenging the way we think. And I know you are too. So yeah, thanks for being a part of this conversation. <laughs> so I want to ask you a question because, you know, I like keeping it real. Um, what is something that you feel people have a misconception about uh, about you and what you do and like, would you like to clear the air on it? Like what's a misconception that people have about you and ageless grace and Nia, would you say? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a hard hitting question for sure. <laughs> um, but I think the misconception that sometimes people would have about me is that yes, I'm, you know, the joy ambassador or, you know, everything is joy for me. Um, but I really would love just to let people know that no, my life is not perfect. And it is not all about every moment is joyful and I'm skipping through the field of flowers and whatever. Um, if anyone feels that way about me, it's unfortunate because my whole purpose or my goal is to help other people find their joy in the things that they're doing. I'm not for one second saying that people can't find joy if they don't do Nia or Ageless Grace. I have always been an advocate for try all the things because maybe Nia isn't for you. And, you know, it's just like that, the the thing that I see on Facebook that, you know, maybe you're not everyone's cup of tea. Um, 
but try it. If you, you'll never know if you don't try it. So try Nia, try Ageless Grace, try everything, try journaling, because that's the only way you're going to figure out. Actually, that really fills me up and feeds my spirit when I do it. So I think that that's the biggest misconception that, oh yeah, Elaine's life is perfect. Absolutely isn't, but I make the most of it, even when it's a really rotten day. I have joy tattooed on my wrist and I never thought about when I had it done. I put my two fingers on that on a day when it's really kind of, I'm digging deep for joy. Um, and it's like my little reminder of, okay, like take your own medicine. Once again, everything you say, I'm like, oh, there's so many thoughts. I feel about that. <laughs> it's yeah, it's very interesting because I know we've already kind of briefly touched on this, but every single person you meet have a, has a story. Everybody does. Everybody has things. And I did a workshop the other night and um, somebody said to me, uh, you always seem like you're happy. And I'm like, I try. I said, but like, I have a list of things from here to Dominion you know, of reasons of why I could look and say my life is shitty right now. Yeah. It's a quite a long list, but I also have a list of things that I actively work on every single day to refocus what I want. And I often say to myself, Gina, you have two roads. You cannot change all all the things that are causing you pain right now, but you can change what you look at. And it is a, it's a process. And yes, there's some days where I have to lie in bed and I make the best of it. But on the days where I can make a choice, because I will be honest, there's some days where it's really hard for me to find joy, Um, but I do my best to find it. And maybe my joy is okay. Today's a day where I'm staying in bed and I am going to have to watch some Netflix, but you know what? I'm going to go grab my favorite pottery mug. I'm going to take the best latte. Ella's coming with me and we're going to make the best of it. Yeah. You know, it takes work for it to become a reality and for you to have that focus. Absolutely. And I also think that it's a really good point that if you are struggling with something, um, you know, you've lost someone or whatever that it is. We touched on that before too, that it's that guilt that you feel that, Oh my God, how could I be happy or talking about something that brings me joy right now when I just lost my dad, you know, cause you and I have both lost our dads and we're like, he was such a huge part of my life and continues to be in a totally different way. Um, but I understand that, that it's like when you're going through something that is so huge. Um, I think the way to healing is to try and find that little thing because, you know, we're left behind and we've got to try and pick up the pieces and what better way than to fill it with little sparks of joy that kind of give you back that feeling of, okay, I am left here. And how am I going to honor my dad? Like when I do something that goes extremely well, I'm like, okay, thanks dad. Cause I could, I could feel you there. Oh. So, you know, like we got to keep going. Right. Yeah. And suffering is hard enough as it is. And so sometimes we make it worse on ourselves with that guilt, you know? So it's also just being kind to yourself and just embracing the journey that we're on and realizing it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, when you can find joy, make an active pursuit to find even one thing a day that makes you smile. It doesn't have to be a big hee-haw laugh, but like, yeah, we have so many great things happening in front of us as it is. We don't need to to create them. 
they're already there. Yeah. It's just moving our focus and it doesn't have to be elaborate, but it's like, you know what? That's a beautiful thing. I'm going to focus on that for a second. And even yeah. if it only lasts a, a second, it's still a joyful moment. Okay. So can I, this is like a perfect segue into this one little thing that I do in my ageless grace classes. So you said, even if it's just a second of joy, so um, no one can see us, but anyone who's listening, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes for a second. Take a big deep breath in through your nose, exhale through your mouth and listen to this sound. Sorry. <laughs> That's wonderful. So I had the joy of watching your face. And that's what I see when I when I do that in my class. So I feel a little bit like a peeping Tom because I don't close my eyes because I don't want to miss this. When that sound hits the ears of my students who are brand new, I'm telling you, Gina, it's like Christmas. So amazing. Yeah. And it doesn't matter, you know, what the situation is. If you've got grandkids or children of your own, that sound is the most joyful sound um, because they like children just have joy. They don't think about it. They don't have to try and channel it or find it. It's just there. So anyway, I carry that with me and that is, well, so I've probably ruined my ageless grace starting thing for my classes, but to me, that sound is never going to get old. No, it doesn't. And it's almost like this, it's almost like, you know, when someone sneezes, you sneeze. (laughs) It's the exact same thing. Like we pick up on those. But the smile that came on your face, you put your head back and it was like, uh, anyway, it was just so fun to watch. And so I get the pleasure of watching everyone in my class have that reaction. And it's like, yep, my work here is done. And like, that's, <laughs> the, that's the cool thing, though. Like you can bypass your own thoughts by watching something funny or one of my favorite things to do is watch bloopers. <laughs> oh, mine too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Sometimes of my own videos that I'm like, yeah, that was, you really nailed that one, Elaine. Oh, yeah. I was doing some editing the other day and I was behind laughing. And Wayne came in and was like, what are you laughing at? And I just kept replaying it and replaying it. And we had laugh. But like, yeah, like if you can't laugh at yourself, then come on. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's how my class starts. And uh yeah, I don't know if it's, you know, appropriate to talk a little bit more about what ageless grace yeah. is right now, but I am telling you, it if you haven't done a class, you haven't done one of my classes yet, so you need to try ageless grace. Yes. Um, it is the most fun because it is channeling our inner five-year-old. Because when you think about it, a five-year-old doesn't have to be told to find a bit of joy and you know, try some movements and be uncoordinated and try right brain, left brain stuff. Cause it's how they move. It's what they do. They don't think about it. It's as we age that we are not firing those new neural pathways. It's like, you know, they say it's like riding a bike. So we'll be sitting in a chair and one of the exercise tools is called team fit. And I'll say, okay, remember when you used to ride your bike? So you've got the safety of your chair But I want you to think about, even if you've got to close your eyes, I want you to think about how you would move seated in this chair and ride your bike or 
you know, bat a baseball, um, or jump rope. That's hilarious. I get people pretending that they're jumping a rope and then I'll say to them, so it's a lot of imagine if, and then, so I'm like, all right, we're doing jump rope. What if we did double Dutch? And then everybody does this movement. So it's just fun. And I mean, you're working up a bit of a sweat, you're moving muscles that you haven't moved and they leave the class going, I'm not really sure what just happened, but it was fun. But you know what, what happens between us being a child and then we become adults and we get embarrassed when we have fun and we just feel like it's not something that you do. Like one of the things that my husband and I made a promise with is like, if we're getting married, we are going to be big kids forever. Yeah. Like it's nothing for Dwayne to come home. And I have the Nerf gun waiting for him saying you have five seconds run. And vice versa and like water fights and like we still wrestle, like we pull pranks. He still scares me all the time. And I hit him all the time. I don't know why he keeps doing it. Yeah. But it's I just feel that we got to keep having fun. Like, where do we lose it? And I see it with my seniors. The same thing. It's like, you know, park that feeling that oh, I don't want to be silly. And, you know, um, I see it with, a you know, a lot of my welderlies, my, who are mostly women, sadly, I need more men in my class. It's starting yeah. to happen. Um, but, oh, you know, I can't do that or whatever. And, and I gently say to them, it's not about you. Like yeah. it's not, nobody is really looking at you. We have to get rid of that feeling that like I had a lady in my Nia class. She thought I was dancing in that magical garden at Admiralty House. She thought I was setting up in the back, but that's where I was putting my sound system. And then I was up in the front. So when I get up there, she's like right next to me. And she said, oh, my God, I thought you were going to be on the other side. She said, I don't want anyone to look at me. And I said, I don't mean to sound mean at all, but this is not about you. I said, this is about taking an hour to move your way. Nobody is watching you. If they are, then that's cool. But this is about moving your body your way. So my gift is I hope that you use my movements as, you know, a, a, um, a guide and then you take it into your own body and stuff. And then it turns out that that was, um, you know, Admiralty House sponsors me. And it was uh, the manager there or one of the ladies that works there. That was her mom. So when she came out to do her little introduction and stuff, she goes, oh, you've met my mom. I was like, yeah, OK, I really would have probably not said what I just said to her. then. <laughs> yes, she would have because I helped her. Right. Yeah, it's true. And yeah. but we were joking about it. But it's like people don't want to be in the front of the class and whatever. I'm like, be in the front of the class. Like, yeah. who cares if you mess it up? I'm in the front of the class and I may mess it up. And if I do, I'm going to own it. And I'm going to be like, OK, I'm just going to start that song again, because if it's not feeding my spirit, then I don't want I don't want anyone to like painfully experience my class. So, and I'm human and I make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, but we all are. And I think we need to keep saying that, but, you know, back to that inner child work, I just think it's so important. And at my retreats, like that's one of the prereq- prerequisites is like, if you're coming, then you had to be willing to be, have fun. Like I bring my scooters to yeah. my retreats and we do hungry hippo. And I have my, <laughs> I have the ladies running into the woods and playing games, but like, that's what they remember. They remember the fun. They remember just letting loose. And it's like, when you tap into that inner child, it's like, ah, everything is okay. You don't worry about your stress. You don't worry about what you got to do. We just like, it's that pure bliss. And like you, like watching those women 
have fun and let everything go. Like I get emotional because I, yeah. I get emotional about everything. But I'm watching these women just have so much fun that they haven't had in years. And it's like, okay, if this is all they have this weekend, then perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're giving them such a huge gift that they can draw on that feeling yeah. when they really need it. You know, like I'm yeah. sitting here and no one can see because it's a podcast, but I have my fake snowball in my hand. And so as COVID regulations kind of ease up a little bit, I cannot wait to use these in a class because from a tactile this feels like, you know, the perfect snowball with that crunchy snow, you can feel it. And so when I get it in my hand, I can't stop touching it. So I can't wait till I can actually, you know, throw these around in my ageless grace class. Um, because what better way to play than to, you know, have a snowball fight. Yeah. There's nothing more freeing than doing those fun things with people and just letting them just let their guard down. I love it. Yep. I want to ask you maybe just one more question before we clue up, but um, just because, you know, the topic of joy is what we're, we're talking about. It's what you promote. It's just who you are. Um, and kind of just looking at that flip side of your challenges and it doesn't equate the amount of joy that you have in your life. Can you tell us about a challenging time that you might've had in your life that you had to overcome and maybe use joy to help you do it? Well, yeah. And I, I guess I touched on it already. Like my dad was my rock and, you know, my mom continues to be, and she's the reason that I've been infused with joy because she's just this amazing, joyful spirit. But when my dad got sick, it changed everything. And, you know, when someone gets cancer, I feel like the whole family gets cancer because you go through that, you know, the treatments and, and everything is hinging on the reports and how things are going. And then you're still trying to have a bit of normality for his sake as well. So I I used to find that, Oh my God, okay. He doesn't want to hear about my day and whatever. And he said to me, he called me Lainey. He said, you know, I do want to hear about your day. I do want to hear about the everyday things because he used to say, I'm not, I'm not my illness. And it really hit home to me. That's like all he wanted was a normal conversation that didn't say, oh, it's time for your next medication. It's time for this. And I remember his treatments. He tried this experimental um, program and it basically gave my dad back to us for like 18 months. And in that 18 months, he built a shed out in the backyard of the old house. And the shed is it's only big enough to fit a snowblower and a lawnmower in. So it's the most adorable little thing. It's not even like a she shed. There's like my dad had a focus. These are two things that I don't have a place for. They need to go in the shed. So I have a vision of him out on a ladder, still pretty thin and, you know, but feeling better than he ever did with that little hat that he wore. And um, it was just like, it's kind of what, um, I guess keeps me going if I'm having a rough day and really missing him because I know how he felt to build that shed totally by himself. Like my husband said, do you want some help? No, I'm good. So he was in his happy place. And so it was like this little, I don't know, every time, even now that my mom sold the house and, you know, moved into a a senior's place. When I drive by the old house, it's like, look at that little shed in there. I love it. So I don't know if I answered the question, but it's like, 
you, I just find that even when things are hard, that you got to look for that silver lining. And, you know, sometimes the physical reminder that that was a time when my dad was truly happy despite his illness. And it, it was super important to see. Absolutely. And even that helps you, I'm sure, in, in things that are not even related to losing your dad. It's like, okay, I, I find sometimes symbols the same way. Like I've got my uh, tattoo uh, says love dad on my hand and, yeah. you know, on my wrist, I should say. So I understand that too. Like when you're missing him and like, oh, you're like, okay, you know, and you just little, I give like a little tap and say, love you and then move on. Yeah. So it's these little symbols that you can attach to things that can really help you find joy. Like I love your joy sign. Like I know people can't see your background, but you have joy everywhere. You have these visual <laughs> reminders and I have the same in mind. Like I have these things that are going to help me step into how I want to feel and who I want to become. And I really, truly believe like your environment, what you consume, who you surround yourself with, like all these are tools that you can use to help you step more into joy. Yeah. Because if you have an environment that makes you feel crappy about yourself, then you're going to feel crappy. If you have people in your life who are making you focus on negative things, then you're never going to be able to find that joy. So, you know, I think there's so many things that we can do to help ourselves find joy more. Um, that we can have control over that can lead us to having more joy. Yeah, we have the benefit like you and I can both see each other, which is a treat. Yes. But um, I'm looking at you in your environment and I feel exactly the same way as what you said about me. It's like you've got those things of comfort and just empowering things. Like I come down over the stairs into my basement studio and I literally say, well, good morning. And it uh, because that's it just it totally feeds my spirit when I come down here. So yeah, me and me too. And like, I, this is my space. So this is where I come in. Like I have my salt lamp. I have my motivational quotes. I have my vision board. Like I have everything that is setting me up for the future that I want. Yeah. And I just think it's so important that if you do want more joy in your life, then you have to take some control and you have to ask yourself, well, how can I find more joy? Is yeah. my environment, are the people, you know, all these things like, you know, just do a little inventory and see, you know, even ask yourself, like, what can I do to bring more joy into my life? Maybe I need to be listening to more podcasts that are joyful. Maybe I need to read more books about joy. Um, and if joy is not something that you're seeking for, insert whatever, and then, you know, just modify that to meet that goal. Yeah, I follow this amazing woman on Facebook. Maybe I shouldn't do this plug, but I'm already going. Oh my God, don't plug away. I'm all about supporting other people. <laughs> oh, perfect. So I just started, um, I think when the pandemic hit, because I mean, everybody kind of moved online. And so I was like, okay, what kind of interesting things can I get into online here? I mean, it's when I did my Ageless Grace training. Like, so it was a time of learn all the things, try all the things. So I started following this woman named Dr. Bertice Berry, and it's B-E-R-T-I-C-E. She is amazing. And she she is so full of life and she takes up the full screen. So you feel like she is literally like your aunt talking to you. And so today when like she posts a couple of stories a day and she has a private group so everybody can tell their own stories. And it's just super empowering. Oh, wow. But today uh, her talk was um, the topic was a box of hangers. And I thought, okay, you've drawn me in. I want to know what this is about. So her chat, I, it's on my Facebook page. 
um, her chat was about, it's not about the hangers, but what's that thing that, you know, if you really need that little bright spot, what's the one thing that brings you a little bit of joy? Um, she said the box of hangers for me, cause she makes her own clothes and she's just amazing. She said, it wasn't about the hangers. It was about, that's going to help me get organized, which is something that I w- wanted to do. And so, um, it was such a simple example. It was like, okay, what's your box of hangers? Right. So it's a cool that. way of explaining it. And I'll put her handle uh, in the show notes so people can find her as well. But it's true. And we all have these different symbols that are going to help us tap into what we're looking for, you know, and for her, it's hangers. For me, it's tattoos, you know, for other people, it might be a rock for other people. It might be a motivational quote. So it's finding what you need to anchor down with to help you find those things in life. that are going to move you forward to where you want to be and who you want to become. Well, her point was, it wasn't about the hangers that brought her joy. I mean, it did, you know, for that instant, but she said, there's going to be people that are watching this that are going to be like, where'd you get those hangers? How come they were only 20 bucks? I need those hangers. (laughs) And so this conversation starts, I'm like, you could see it happening. It's like, how did she get them? I want those. I want those kind of hangers. I want that deal. How come she only paid 20 bucks? I paid 30 bucks. So she's having this conversation and she goes, it's not about the hangers. She said, Find that thing that is like authentically you, exactly. because I think if you are unhappy or something's going on, maybe sometimes we're kind of struggling like, okay, well, Elaine's happy, so I should do that. No, you should find the thing that that you are missing that you always used to do that brought you joy. I guess that's my point. So it yeah. kind of brought it home to me today. I was like, okay, thank you, Dr. Barry. I'm I'm going to talk about what my box of hangers is today. I really like that because oftentimes, you know, and I know you, you and I have talked about this before, but sometimes when you're seeing somebody happy, it triggers something in you. And it's like, why is she so happy? But people miss the next step of asking yourself, well, why was this triggering for me? Yep. And why am I not happy? And what can I do about it? Yeah, 100%. You know, and that third one, a lot of people cringe because it's like, okay, you've acknowledged that seeing somebody else happy is a trigger for you. Then it's like, number two, well, why are you not happy? And then you're like, well, I'm not happy because this is this. And it's like, what are you going to do about it? And then people are like, oh, I can't do anything. And all the excuses and reasons why they can't do it come in. Yeah. But that's how you're going to find your own happiness is when you tap into yourself and ask yourself, what's the criteria for me to be happy? Because if you never sit with that and look at, well, these are the things that I need to make me happy and you don't do them, you're never going to find that happiness. Yeah. And it's the dropping of that need to compare yourself to someone else because, you know, my way of lying out on my zero gravity chair, looking at the clouds might be lame and boring to someone else. But I can tell you that I gather enough joy from that one little thing that it's like, I really don't care what anyone else thinks about it. Exactly. And it's taking back that power. You're right. And not worrying what other people think and just really doing what makes you happy and put that shit on repeat. Yep. You know, (laughs) and I'll share one more thing because I had somebody say to me, um, it was a while ago and like I work it every day and I, I take really good care of my health. And I had somebody say to me, oh, Gina, you know, I wish I had that motivation. I wish I could do that. I wish, you know, I wish I had your whatever, whatever. And so I, you know, I was engaging in a conversation with this person and 
the advice that I was given was kind of rolling off the back. And I was like, okay, do you really want to be in my shoes? I was like, I live with chronic pain, you know, every single day when I work out, I was like, it's a challenge. Like every day I wake up, I have to monitor my pain and I have to go, okay. And once I kind of flipped it and showed that it wasn't all roses, they were like, oh, and she said to me, she's like, so you're doing all these things and in chronic pain. And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. like it's, we often look at what other people are doing and thinking it's coming easy to them. And it's not, no, like this stuff takes work, you know, and like whoever you're comparing yourself to, I guarantee you, you're only seeing one side of it. Yep. And it's the side that people are probably most interested in because yes, yes. I think there is a genuine awakening of people realizing as we age okay we need to take better care of our bodies it's not about being the ideal weight Um, it's about you know everything in moderation so that like I want when I'm with my welderlies one of them just um my oldest was 103 and I remember saying to her you proved that I'm halfway now like I want the highest number when I finish up in this body wherever else I'm going after that I'm like I'm halfway so what am I going to do with the the other half Absolutely. And it's so important to take care of your mind, your body, your happiness, your joy, like all those things, um, they matter. They really do. Okay. So we're going to pop into one of my favorite parts of the podcast and it's a rapid fire questions. This is the part that really scares me, but okay. (laughs) Out of all the things we talk about, everyone's always like, when we get to this, I don't know, but this is a fun part. So as it implies, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. And the first thing that comes to mind, you have to answer with. Are you ready? No, but sure, go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, drum roll. Here we go. Who was your favorite Spice Girl? Oh, my God. I didn't have one. I just liked the ponytails. Who was the one with the ponytails? Something Spice. I don't know. (laughs) Sporty was my favorite. And I didn't didn't follow them much. No, me neither. But I liked their music. I Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nachos or tacos? Oh, nachos. A nickname you used to have or still have? Lainey. If you could travel back in time, where would you go? I would go to, oh, I'm going to cry. The moment that I said I do in my back garden when I married Con. Oh, that is so beautiful. It was the best moment ever. You guys are the cutest. (laughs) Okay, the next question, I almost skipped it because the last several people that I've asked, they said they've never watched it. I'm going to ask you anyway, but who is your favorite Harry Potter character? Oh, Hagrid. Oh, my God. I loved Hagrid. Oh, you watched it. Excellent. I'm so glad I didn't skip it. Yes. (laughs) Sunrise or sunset? Oh, that's a hard one. Sunrise. What's your go-to order from your favorite restaurant? Oh my God. Pizza house, pizza with the works on their special when, yeah. Oh, pizza house. Now I want pizza. (laughs) Yeah. Me too. Um, Now I think everybody's going to know the answer to this one already, but what is your favorite word? Oh, my favorite word is joy. Yeah, it it definitely is. Yeah. And what's your go-to song? Like if you need to pick me up or a little, a little dance, what would it be? Well, it is my theme song and it is called joy. And I have been dancing it like, you know, we do different songs all the time in, this is not a rapid fire answer. I'm realizing that now, but um, it's in every playlist. And I thought, okay, Lane, let's shake it up a bit. And then if I leave it out, someone will say there was no joy today. So you you can't, you got to keep it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. If you could change your name, what would it be? 
Oh my goodness. I don't know. I've never, what would my name be? I don't know. I think I'd like to be something like Victoria. Ooh, mm. I could see Victoria. you as a Victoria. Yeah. You'd have to say it like that every time, Victoria. Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have one superpower, what would it be? One superpower. That sounds silly. I would like to fly on a magic carpet. Like Aladdin. Yeah. I like it. If you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Pole vaulting. Oh, and if it was a fake one? Fake Olympic sport. Oh, yeah. Like jumping in puddles. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. (laughs) Texting or talking? Oh, talking. Describe yourself in three words. Okay, this one is making me sweat. Um, Fun. Entertaining. And deeper than people think. Ooh, that's That's, deep. Sorry, but that was three (laughs) words in one. Yeah, kind of cheating. I like it. I like it. If you were stranded on a tropical island... And you had like the essentials and sunscreen and all those things. What would be two things you would want to take with you? Oh, this sounds very bad, but red wine and Not bad um, at all. <laughs> yeah, red wine, red wine and good music. Nice. What makes you laugh no matter what? <laughs> so many things. Um, Bad jokes. <laughs> Mine too. There's a couple of things that come to mind. I often, I'm like, oh, if somebody asked me this question, I would not be able to hold back because farting makes yeah. me laugh so much. <laughs> like, okay, little segue here. This is the type of teacher I was. Every April Fool's Day, I had a fart machine. Oh so God. I would bring it into my class because every year I have new students and I would play <laughs> fart jokes on my kids and then they would get in on it and then we would prank another teacher and oh my God, we just had so much fun. <laughs> All you need to do to make me laugh is say the word fart, play a fart sound. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but it makes me laugh so That much. is too funny. My brother had 50 fart jokes handwritten on a ruled piece of paper and the, you know, we were young, right? Yeah. <laughs> and my mom washed those fart jokes more times. And so it became this like, it was like paper vapor and all the fart jokes in pencil were kind of faded out. And my brother, he'd be like, oh, I know. I still know that one. I know what that one is. I can still read it. <laughs> I feel like I need to meet your brother now. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Back on track here. Yeah. Um, if you were really hungry, would you eat a bug? Oh, I got to go with no. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Ooh, I think I think I would go with talking to animals. Mm, I would love to do that. And then the last one's a little bit more serious, but what's the best piece of advice you have ever gotten that you wish you knew earlier in life? I think it goes back to earlier. Just do it. Yeah, mm. just do it. Even if you're scared, even if all the fear comes in, even if you had those thoughts, just do it. Just do it. I love it. Now, I obviously know where to find you, but I want all of our listeners to start following you and get a little piece of your joy. (laughs) So where can our listeners find you, Elaine? Um, Okay, so you can reach out to me on Nia on the Rock on Facebook or Ageless Grace on the Rock on Facebook, or I am Elaine Marie Dunphy on Instagram. So any of those ways I would love. Can I make a little plug for my class? 100%. (laughs) Yes. 
Perfect. So I teach on Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. in the Magical Garden, which is what I'm calling it unofficially, at Admiralty House Museum in Mount Pearl. So because COVID regulations are easing a little, you had to register at Admiralty House. Um, the classes are $10. But now they're saying if you head there a little bit before the class starts at 11, you could just drop in and they'll register you there on site. So Amazing. if you're listening and you're like, okay, I'd like to try it. All you need is a yoga mat, comfy clothes, a bottle of water and uh, an open mind. And then come join us at 11 a.m. on Wednesdays, every Wednesday in this summer. I would highly recommend you check out one of her classes. She's absolutely amazing. I promise you, you will have fun, you will laugh and you'll be so happy that you went. So before we end, do you have any last golden nugget to share with our listeners to help them maybe put a pep in their step as they go about their day? So this is a book that I am reading now. It's a book of poetry called To the Women. And anyone who is on Facebook, her writing is under the tagline, uh, Ladies Pass It On. And anyway, her words are just awesome. So this one is called Aging Isn't About Lost Youth. It's about finding who your true friends really are, the difference between shiny and worthy, the confidence to be yourself in any room, the time to dedicate to the things that bring you joy, the wisdom to say no to things that don't, the freedom to choose your own path in life, the courage to be happy in your own skin, the knowledge that very little really truly matters in the end. Aging isn't about lost youth, my friends. No, it is not. I haven't lost a thing, in fact, except perhaps my ability to give a toss about the things that won't matter when I'm gone, and remember, not everyone gets the chance to grow older. It truly is a privilege denied to many. No, aging isn't about lost youth. It's about finding who you were meant to be all along. That was absolutely beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Isn't it like the perfect way to end? And so her books are, this one's called To the Women. And uh, her name is Donna Ashworth. And I use it in my classes because they're just real words. Thank you so much for sharing that with me and for just being here and being you and spreading joy. You're just such an amazing person. So thank you for taking the time to be here. Oh, thanks for inviting me. And it was it was my pleasure. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for keeping it real. Do you struggle with limiting thoughts yourself? Maybe you are experiencing the imposter syndrome where you don't believe in yourself and your business and your negative reel is really holding you back. If so, I have a free resource for you. Head to the show notes and click on the link to get it. I promise you it will help you and therefore will help your business as well. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for being here. And if you haven't left a five-star review, please do so. I would really, really appreciate it. And if you or someone you know would love to be a guest on the Keeping Real podcast, check out the show notes as well and let's get you on the show. Hope you have the best day and thanks for keeping it real.